Welcome to season two of Best in SaaS, where we talk through the patterns and playbooks in the revenue sprint to 20 million and beyond with the industry's most accomplished executives, entrepreneurs, and investors. Despite the world melting around us, we survived season one with only a few scratches and a couple of bathroom incidents from our resident Best in SaaS puppy mascot, Stuart. Wash your hands and don your favorite face mask because here comes season two. Howdy, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I am thrilled, per usual, for you to listen in on this conversation. But before we get into it, if you're a regular listener and you enjoy the discussions, do me a favor and let us know by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other folks find the show and it helps Apple realize they should feature us on New and Noteworthy. So that would be awesome. With that, enough of my blabbing. Let's get on to the episode. All right, we're live. <laughs> Vivek, uh, so excited to have you on the show today. This is going to be, for our listeners, a, a, a total curveball of an episode because normally, you know, we're like so venture-backed, you know, get to 100 million ARR as quickly as possible, traditional Sand Hill Road route. And Vivek today has gone like totally the opposite direction and been wildly successful with it. So Vivek, welcome to the show. Good to be with you, Eli. So uh, you're, today you're the CEO of Question Pro. You're also the chairman and board member of a number of other companies that you've spun out or acquired or invested in. Um, so I think it would be best to just like start at the beginning a little bit and, and set the stage for folks. Because today, just to, to foreshadow a bit, Question Pro, you did what, 20 million this year? Yep, yep. Um, we are going to do 20 million. Last year we did about last year. 14 and a half. So this year we'll do 20, yeah. Okay, and you've how much uh, venture money have you taken? Zero. Zero. Beautiful. All right. <laughs> it's 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 so cool to hear an alternative story, right? Because we already we already know the normal dialogue, and it's it's great. Like it's 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 a path to go, and this is also a great path to go. But you just don't get to hear so many stories like this in San Francisco, in Silicon Valley. So, um, what what took you down this path? Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could tell you something smart that said like, well, I thought about this, but really like I started the company in 2005 in Seattle and my background is in software engineering and development. So I kind of stumbled into it and kind of, you know, built the platform and built the tool. And, uh, we got good at SEO before SEO was cool, right? Back in 2005, you know, today everybody talks about SEO. So we got, we figured out a way to get inbound customers. And once we got customers, we were like, okay, we got customers, we got cash, why raise money? <laughs> it doesn't even make any, you know, and, and I was, I, I'd say it's like probably like initially it was just naivety. And then once we started making money, it didn't make any sense, uh, you know, to say we were making, and we, we and, and again, we were in, you know, B2B SaaS, which is very profitable if you can do the engineering work really efficiently. If you think about it, like the production is the software development is like the, typically the, the biggest cost. And obviously I am, I'm a developer by trade and I can, build whatever the hell you want. I mean, now I, I don't think I can build it as fast as I used to be, but um, so, so that's how I, that's the reason why we didn't end up raising money. And then once we started making money, we made more money. And then we just said like, we are not going to raise money, at least not, not unless we absolutely need to, which means, which also meant that we had to kind of keep the business profitable and we ran the business very profitably. And because we ran busy profitably, we said like, well, we don't want a boss. So <laughs> therefore we didn't raise the money. <laughs> so, and you and I just talked about the board and all that stuff. So that's another reason why we ended up not raising money. Right. You have a giant board. It consists of yourself. 
<laughs> I mean, there's one of, at least there's got to be some perks of like, you know, like, you know, being the janitor and the sales guy and the rep. I mean, I've been everything. I've done everything in this company. I've, you know, been the, uh, been the, been the customer support rep. And I got to tell you the story once, like I was, I, I was obviously, I was handling the phones and everything else. Like I used to do customer support too, way back when. And I was talking to this one lady and she's like, I want to talk to your supervisor. <laughs> I'm like, Okay, I'm like, I'm like, Kevin, my co-founder, I'm like, Kevin, dude, she wants to talk to you, I think. And he picks up the phone and he's like, yeah, you know what, this new guy we hired, he's like, not, not really up to it. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, you know, we gotta do something about it. I'm like, yeah, man, I mean, what else are we doing? We just the two, me and Kevin, we were just running the company, just two of us. And somebody says, like, I want to talk to your supervisor. I'm like, well, I, I mean, you can talk to my mom, but other than that, like, I don't know who else, who else is around here. <laughs> So. You put the phone down, make some tapping sounds, and then change your voice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's a lot. You know, those are the those are the stories we have. <laughs> so, so I mean, it sounds like you you went through a bunch of big junctures and decision making points where you were deciding, you know, is now the right time to go raise money? Is now the right like what? And then doubling down on yourself and choosing not to, and kind of taking another step further into this unchartered space of you know, reinvesting into yourself, into the company and, and trying to keep it optimized such that you can continue to do so. What, like, what was going through your head? Like, what were you weighing in making those decisions? Great question. Actually, great question. So yes, it, it, it's not that the idea of raising money obviously has not bumped into us. And even later on, like we can even, we are even talking to private equity firms that are, that are interested. Uh, I, I, I think, uh, the, the question really comes down to, at least for us, really comes down to how, how much we think we can grow organically, like hustle our way up, and how much would the additional capital help? Um, the general argument, obviously, is you need the additional capital to do things. Uh, but we've always been scrappy from day one. So we, I look at it and say, like, well, I mean, you know, what are these guys going to do that we cannot do? And, and we kind of think about that. And then I also think about kind of our equity. You know, the company is owned by me and all the, it's not just me, it's all the employees too. So we have a, a good chunk of the company that's owned by the senior management. And the senior management doesn't get diluted. So they're all part of the, they're all part of the story, really. So they are, they are in it for, and and we all actually we have, we've done these decisions two or three times in our lives where we just sat down and said like well we can raise the money we all get diluted we all and these we all we will these these guys come on the board and they're gonna drive you know drive this drive the drive the train um, and then we also look at their model and say oh they're gonna get us from like you know point A to point B really using that cash and then then we have we honestly have I look at each other internally it's like can we get there can we get half of there maybe not even full there can we get half of there without going through this process. Um, and that's the kind of decision I've, I've made is like, like maybe, and, and it, I would say like a couple of times I've been wrong, clearly like, okay, like in some cases, I wish I had the cash. There are obviously others in this, in this business who've made much more money than we have made clearly and Coltrick's is there. So monkey is there, they're like, you know, you know, obviously billion dollar companies. So, uh, but then also I've seen like, you know, you know, 50 other companies come in and raise money and fail realistically for every for every company that, that makes money, there are at least nine of them clearly that have, that, have, that, that go down the tube. Um, and so those are the decision-making factors that, that I've had um, to, to, to do. And, and we kind of usually, you know, come up with some bright idea that helps us make money, um, you know, one way or the other. That's why we are, we are where we are today. It's like we've at least not all the ideas have kind of like stuck, but at least a few of them have stuck. And then we, we kind of like, you know, at least we thank our stars for that idea. 
Um, and and the other thing that weighs really heavily on my head is like uh, uh, the part of the reason I started Question Pro was not really to uh, go go change the world or do anything. I just wanted I hated my boss. I just simple. I just wanted to I just wanted not go to go back to my day job. That's it. <laughs> and I, you know that's it. Um, and and so to me like you know personal freedom and autonomy is a is a big part of what I want to do with my life um, realistically. And so uh, so even with the people that we talk to, you're like if if, if that. If, if we don't feel that, if we don't feel that vibe, we, I'm not really interested. I mean, we already, all of us, quite frankly, make enough money. We don't need to, you know, try. We, we can, we can always use more money, but, uh, but I think personally, and, and for the management team, the personal autonomy is actually, uh, at least for me, it weighs heavily. Uh, it's not, a, it's a, not a non-trivial item, realistically. An entrepreneur is entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you never let a gene go, right? So that's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in previous conversations, you, you've shared with me, I think part of your initial go-to-market strategy that, that really stood out to me was you were going after the white space that SurveyMonkey and Qualtrics left on the table in kind of secondary markets. Can you, like, how, how did you, first off, how did you land on that? What was the thinking that led up to that decision? And then what was it like to roll out in those kind of unproven column secondary markets that ultimately was a very successful move for you? Yeah. So if you think about it, like, you know, we, we are competing with, you know, both SurveyMonkey and Qualtrics and both of them are billion dollar plus companies realistically. So they have their marketing budget is clearly, you know, 10 times our marketing budget, um, simply put. Um, so, and they are chasing after different markets, different ideas. And we decided like, okay, what are they not doing? And what are the different areas that they're not focusing on? And we can focus on that. Um, and one of that was our bet with Latin America. We just like, all right, you know, and it all started off very naively, really, where we said like, okay, let's just kind of try to spell it in Spanish, really. I mean, we have, we have traffic coming in from everywhere. So we hired a and I'll tell you the story, right? We hired a Mexican American guy in Seattle and said like, hey bro, here's the girl, here's the phone. You know, next time somebody picks up, somebody from, you know, Latin America, I'll say hola and say, go, go for it, right? Let's sell it in Spanish. And then he actually pitched me. He's like an amazing guy. He, he runs our, all, he runs our entire Latin business now. So he pitched me one day and he sat down with me and he said, Vivek, does it make sense that I'm selling to a bunch of Mexicans from Seattle? I'm like, yeah, actually, good point. That doesn't make any sense. What should we, what do you think we should do? He's like, dude, I should go down to Mexico and run the build a Latin team for you. I'm like, great, here's here's 50 grand, 100 grand, go for it, dude. <laughs> Not that complicated, <laughs> you know, <laughs> simple. And so, um, so and that has become, you know, that has become a two million dollar line of business effectively today. And he went in and he, you know, we have about 30, 35 people in in Merida, and that is so that's one kind of factor. And then when that happened, it quickly stopped me. I'm like, okay, this is an easy market. This is an easy mechanism of actually going into a different market, setting up shop there, and then start selling. Start selling there, where, uh, where, where our competitors are not focused on those on those markets realistically. And so, therefore, we can open up one office in Germany, one office in Dubai, uh, and recently open up an office in the UK. UK and Germany are obviously big markets, but you know, but Dubai was again an opportunistic move, and we kind of you know have you know we've got good 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 traction and progress there. How long did it take you to see? enough signal to know that that investment was paying off the strategy was working in each in each geo like as you expanded was there some sort of kind of criteria you'd set up where hey if we don't see x in y period of time yeah maybe it wasn't the best call yeah yeah so we we kind of like we go, i think i would say like we kind of say that we will invest x number of dollars and that's all we got 
that's it, right? So it's almost like X and Y. Say. If you've gone through that and you, you, we're done, we'll, we'll be out realistically. And so far, we've never had kind of come back empty-handed because first of all, it's not a ton of money we put, really. We put a little bit of money. So it's like, even if you lose that money, it's not it's not the end of the world. Frankly, it's really not the end of the world. So, so that's what we've done. Um, and so we are, but we don't, we have to like, we really wait till we find the right kind of crew. Um, so what we found out with the geo expansion, it's not just, um, it's not just hiring somebody in a particular market. You, you got to send somebody from your team also into that market, really. So it's the, the connection between that person. And I've made the same mistake. The other opposite, I failed in Australia, for example. We just hired a guy in Australia. I let him kind of hang out over there. And we, he, he was not connected to the company strongly enough, right? So, you, that, so that problem exists, right? Um, so I think now we've kind of almost perfected. We've kind of at least come up with a with a with a solution model, at least with a, with, a, with some sort of a recipe where we hire a person there and we send somebody from our team to to kind of pair up with him. So he's got a connection into our company, and then that that, that internal connection is there. Uh, and then you know obviously they know enough about that local market, and then then they start hiring and building a team there, and and, and kind of kind of start expanding the business there. Um, again, it's slower. Again, if you were again going back to your original question, like you know if you were venture back, we probably put a lot more money in it, and now we are just a little bit more slower, and and so our our growth is therefore um, slightly more slightly more kind of you know stunted because of that particular issue. But again, but but it's still it's very profitable and very kind of organic growth from that perspective. Yeah, you, you own 100% of the growth or the company does, right? It's, it's a different right. story. It reminds right. me of, uh, I was chatting with Paul Rios, who runs uh, the Brazil org for HubSpot and also set up their LATAM group. Okay. Uh, and it, it was, it's funny how grassroots some of these things are, right? Like their, their thing was he was looking for good leads when he was a rep and noticed mm. that there was one that came in and it was in Spanish. And then mm-hmm. he did a search in their database to see like, well, I wonder how many more of these have gone untouched that are 30,000, 30,000. Nice. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, and then like, damn. So it's like- You have a business right there. Yep, yep, yeah. yep, 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 yeah, exactly, right? And, and, and that's the same thing with even with Andreas. Andreas who's run, runs our Latin America operation. He kind of like, look, there's nobody like actively chasing after these guys. Simple, like everybody's chasing after, you know, the, and, and, and it's not that they don't need, need the solution like this. And so- um, so I think it's kind of that, that particular thing is what, what helped us. How do you think about, I mean, did you go into this business planning on being, you know, like here, here are these billion dollar, soon to be billion dollar kind of venture back players, and we're going to go kind of eat their long tail? Or did you go like, how did you approach it from a mindset perspective? So I stumbled into this, uh, like I said, I have been doing this for a while. So from I started the question point in 2005, actually. So even before Qualtrics was big, and, oh, yeah. you know, in fact, I have, a, I have a history with Qualtrics, actually. So I went to BYU, um, I'm not a Mormon, but I ended up landing up in BYU. And uh, I'm originally from India. And so just for schooling, I did, by, did my computer science, computer engineering there. And then, and that's where I got cornered by a market research professor and they, he wanted to build a survey platform. You know, he came into the computer science lab and he said like, hey man, I want to, I want somebody to build me a software tool that does surveys realistically. And I, was, I raised my hands and I said, so how much are you going to pay me? He's like, starting box an hour. I'm like, I'll do a lot more for starting box an hour realistically. <laughs> and so, uh, and so that's how we got started. Uh, that's how I got started into the survey business effectively. And then I kind of, you know, then I went to Seattle and then we kind of split apart. Then we had a divorce and we split apart with Scott and Ryan. Uh, and then that, that became Qualtrics later on, realistically. So Scott, you know, Ryan is currently of, you know, uh, of Qualtrics. That's how he kind of came about. We went a different route. We, I went to Seattle. I kind of did my own thing. We did 
standard tech consulting and then i realized tech consulting is a soul sucking job <laughs> frankly uh. and i wanted to get out of it and so and then then i then that's when i built the tool and so at the time it was like pretty small actually like you know survey monkey wasn't that big and when i started it survey monkey wasn't that big i really honestly i'll be I'll be straight i didn't think the, the entire market would be as big as i thought i would have probably kind of taken the job more seriously if i thought at the time that this is this is going this is a this is a big deal uh but uh, so that's how the first four years we were kind of like four or five years we got to about four or five million dollars um in revenue in 2009 uh and then and then like i you know and, and then we kind of like then we start saying that this, this is for real that's when we start saying like there's a commercial market there's a kind of an enterprise market that's when i started seeing that uh and then I, that's when we start saying oh shit this is this this could be this could be much bigger than what we thought originally we thought it's just going to be a you know a side project and a little bit of you know you know something to pay our bills realistically uh but then in 2009 2010 uh, is when we thought this is going to be real, and that's when we kind of got a little bit more serious, um, and then we kind of, you know, then, then one thing led to the other, and then we kind of kept growing. Uh, although we stumbled, I would probably say we stumbled between 2013, 14, you know, 12, 13, 14, we did stumble the ball, and we, we were not able to grow the company that fast. Uh, uh, but then, to so the last couple of years, we've kind of picked it back up, um, and we are, we are pushing it right now. So what, what on that, on like the pushing it now front, what drives you now? I mean, you don't need to be working. You don't, you've <laughs> been successful. You have spun out multiple successful other entities. Uh, like, is it, is it for the chase? Is it what, what, when you kind of take a look at what's coming up for you this year and you're thinking about goal setting, what, what, what's your mindset like? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I talked to you a little bit earlier on. Right? I, took, I took a couple of years off and I was being, you know, I was being a kind of advisor to a bunch of companies and I realized, like, I hate giving advice. I like doing things realistically, right? So I think that's a personality that's kind of just, that's just me. And so what, to me, today, today, it's like just, you know, it's the chase, really. It's like trying to, trying to make, it, make it bigger and that's it, simple. It's the chase is the, is the, is would, be the, would be the simple way of describing what drives me. Uh, and a lot of people still tell me like, hey, man, you've been doing this for a long time. Are you tired? Like, actually, no, I've been doing every year. My, my role has shifted, like, you know, running a, uh, being the CEO of a $3 million business with a CEO, CEO of a $20 million business, completely different, like a role from a role operations and even even my own kind of professional growth perspective. I'm doing things and we are trying to get to obviously, you know, $40, $50 million in revenue over the next few years. So our, our kind of horizon is also that. Um, and uh, and the kind of work and the kind of what I need to do is also different. So I think I think every few years what I'm doing has been changing, um, and so that's what keeps me excited. As long as I have a new project to work on, and, and I told you a little bit, like we are we are in the process of acquiring a you know acquiring a company, and that's a kind of a it's probably our biggest acquisition so far. And I've never done any one of these, so it's like it's a new project, and we're just going through this you know going through the process of assimilating you know three or four million dollars of revenue into our business in itself is kind of a big, kind of a, it's a big task. I mean, I don't know, I've never done it. And that's, you know, that's very exciting. At least for me, professionally, it's a very exciting kind of concept and we'll see what we can do. And I'll, I'm pretty sure I'll learn a lot. Uh, so going back to your point, like, okay, what drives me? So these kind of new initiatives are what, what drives me. And I think we've built a pretty good solid management team that I really like working with the guys that I work with. And and that's an important element. Like Andres is a kick-ass guy. I love talking to him. And we, we chat, you know, every couple of weeks, very, you know, in, in depth. Um, and the, my management team, all, all the guys that have kind of, you know, they've all been with me for a long time now. Um, and so they like working with me and I like working with them and they, everybody's figured out a kind of like a, a good kind of organizational balance in the management team. 
Um, and that's good enough for all of us, realistically. So, so as long as every year we kind of sit down and say, all right, what do you want to do this year? <laughs> and we come up with a bunch of projects. And so we you know, let's see if we can, you know, crush it and execute it. Nice. What, um, what gives you energy outside of pushing and startups and scale? And what, what outside of that gives you energy? Uh, outside of that, I think I'm a big uh, mountain bike. I was envious when you said you were in Denver, so mountain biking. Uh, so I'm, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm a, I wouldn't say I'm an avid mountain biker, but I love mountain biking. Obviously, when I was here, I was, you know, I was in San Francisco. I used to go up to Santa Cruz all the time. There are tons of mountain bike rides over here. Marin and Santa Cruz are the two, two of my favorite spots. Although in, in Austin, it's been, a, it's been a shit show. It's been, I mean, clearly right now, it's been a shit show. I've not gone mountain biking in a while now. Uh, so that's kind of like, that's the other, that's my other kind of, at least I wouldn't say massive passion. And then the other thing that I do is can I, my brother and I, we, we race, uh, uh motorcycles <laughs> so yeah yeah so my wife told me that i used to i used to ride motorcycles man but my, i had two kids i have a i have a 10 year old and a 12 year old daughter and then my wife when my first kid was born i was like you gotta stop riding riding motorcycles not gonna, i mean you know our kids need a father so it's not gonna work but i negotiated my you know i always negotiate for a living right so i negotiated a deal with my wife saying that okay what's the problem with motorcycles and she's like well it's not about you it's all about the other idiots on the road who will crash into you i'm like great you know what we'll do so you have to give me permission to ride the motorcycles on a track. See, there's nobody in a track. It's like just me ripping around in a stupid track, just going around in circles, right? And she said, in her, in her, in her, in her infinite wisdom, she said yes to that. So, so the other thing that me and my brother, and that's my kind of the way I kind of bond with my brother too. So we go out to, you know, obviously when I was in California, like, you know, Thunder Hill, Laguna Seca, and, you know, Sonoma. Uh, so uh, we just, you know, I have a, I have a beat up motorcycle that's not a beat up. It's kind of like a reasonably good motorcycle. That's a track only bike that I rip around in a track with him. Uh, so I've crashed the bike once, uh, but it was like, I, I, I didn't, I didn't even, it didn't even do anything just because I was riding all the suits and everything else. So, so, so I've crashed the, I've crashed my motorcycle once on a track, but uh, that's my other thing. High side or low side? I low side actually. <laughs> so yeah, high side, I'm going to be flying out. I, <laughs> yeah. I just let it go and I just came down yep. and that's it so so oh man well now that i know you're a motorcycle guy this this episode could, could go from 20 minutes to an hour <laughs> no problem but we'll, we'll take that offline <laughs> well awesome. vivek this was a super super fun conversation for me i love just hearing a totally different perspective on on growth and success in the valley and now you've moved the company to uh to austin so growth and success outside of the valley we get to in touch on, on both of those yep. so yep 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 thanks thank for, you uh, Eli. All right, cool. Cheers. Bye. All right.